Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hipfire Podcast. This is the 29th episode, and today we are going to be recapping a bit of the first week of the CDL. So the CDL is back. We had a really exciting first weekend of matches. There were some upsets, which were unexpected because it started out very top-heavy, um, but we did get the upsets. We had some game fives, we had some crazy clutches, and I believe in the last stream we had like peak viewership at 120,000, so it's it's a fun time to be a COD fan for sure. Uh, and so for us, we're going to kind of run you down what, what stood out, who stood out to us and what like teams looked good to us and just do an overall breakdown and, and less so of an like, ind- individual team basis. Um, so to start, I thought we we kind of give you guys our team of the week. So these are four players that really stood out to us and seem to, you know, to be frying basically almost every map. Uh, so for that, we have a BZ... Kenny, Kleenex, and Hook. Uh, so yes, which one? Which player do you want to start with here? Player I want to start with um, is the guy that I think everyone will have in their minds right now, which is Abizi. Obviously, he had a very impressive performance uh, this past weekend. Uh, most notably, the, they ended up taking down Optic Gaming, uh, or Optic Chicago. I keep saying Optic Gaming. Optic Chicago and their most previous matchup uh, this past Sunday, which is a really key matchup because based on the way that uh, we understand these round robin matches to go is that they'll play each team in the group once so winning this matchup could very well mean that they end up getting that first seed in that bye uh when it comes to the major uh later on in the season so really key matchup for them and abizi was a big part of that i mean he had individually a lot of very important plays i mean most notably people will remember in the moscow hardpoint his really key three piece on p4 by the bus where he ended up killing uh the biggest kill being dashy and helping secure a phase uh both the hardpoint and they were able to lock down the spawns because they knew they were going to spawn out p2 so like individual plays like that are what made him stand out plus in snd i mean uh we talked about it last year um how uh Abizi and SD is such a key player for FaZe, although he may not have the stats, because he's such an aggressive player on the map. He's either getting first blooded or he's getting the first blood. And we saw in this optics series, he was getting the first blood almost every round. And uh, we saw from some stats, I think round 11 stats was talking about how last year that, you know, when you get a, a first blood that's untraded, you're going to win the round 70% of the time. And so Statistically, FaZe was going to win almost every round that they were in because Abizi was consistently getting first blood after first blood after first blood and stopping any progress that Optic had in S&D. And he was also making, like we mentioned, big plays in the hard point. And that's why he's one of our players for Team of the Week. I mean, we've constantly sung his praises and talked about how, in many ways, he is the best player on this FaZe team and arguably the best player in the CDL given the role that he has to play night in, night out as that entry sub-player. Um, so it's only right we show him some love. I mean, just some stats. I mean, that hard point, he had a 1.27. I mean, I think he actually went negative on the series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he he dropped a, a 0.96, which, again, shows you, KD doesn't mean everything. He had a 0.96 in the series. But if you were to ask anyone who was the MVP, everyone would say him because of how he played. So just shout out to him. Yeah, that takes us to our next player. I mean, one more thing on Ibizi. That, that three-piece, smoked Dashy. Smoked him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that, there's the next person, which is Kenny. Uh, so for me, I've always been a Kenny fan since World War II when I like fully sank my teeth into competitive Call of Duty. And I started liking TK right from the start, and Kenny was frying. It was amazing. And then he hadn't really returned to form since then. I mean, he had a 
up and down year in Black Ops 4 where he didn't start the greatest and he ended really, really well and was very clutch. But it wasn't the same kind of Kenny. He was a different role and he was breaking like smart plays and clutches, but it wasn't like the super slaying Kenny. You know, and then last year, and the whole team just didn't perform well enough. It wasn't just him, but, it, you know, an individual performance, I wanted to see more from him this year. And he's off to a great start. And he looked fantastic in, in all game modes that he played in. And I, the whole team really looked pretty impressive. But Kenny stood out to me. And it's it's nice to see because it's like, you know, we want to think about World War II Kenny being back. And it's a good, it's a good sight for any of you Heart of Thieves fans. And also, like, it's a it's a big confidence boosting thing for for Kenny because uh, you know people have been not like trash talking hundred thieves, but they've been let down by Optic last year when they when not the thieves. Where it's like, can we really expect TJ to, or Kenny to hit that form that they used to, or are they already kind of past their prime and we should be looking towards like you know Empire and Phase to be the best teams? I think for them, like they know how talented they are, and to start out the way they did is a really good start, and they know they can be the best team. And seeing Kenny play that well is a really good sign and indication that they could continue to do this and continue to slay. Uh, because on, on paper, that's a really, really slay-heavy team that also should be really good in search. Like, on paper, they should have any weaknesses. It's just, you know, given the past couple of years and the form they've been in, you can understand why people were, you know, hesitant to, to call them, you know, top two, top three team in the game. But, you know, they have some big matches coming up. You know, I think, not, I don't think next week, but I think the week, the last week they play the Empire, right? So that'll be a big test for them. Because you know they can look good against these teams all they want, but until they beat the likes of the Empire, you know Optic or Phase, we we can't really cement them as a top four, top three team yet. But seeing Kenny play that well, it's you know it's coming. Uh, that takes us to our next player, which is uh, Kleenex. So yes, why is Kleenex on there? Yeah, Kleenex. Um, that's a Toronto Ultra fan. Um, I, I was really curious to see how they're going to play, and we'll talk about the Ultra in general later on. But Kleenex really stood out to me in the series and, and the way he played. Um, Again, you know, this is his sophomore season in many ways. And even though we call it sophomore season, he really only played a couple events last year. Um, obviously, one of those being champs. But he didn't get a lot of time in the game. So this was really his first full season competing as a pro. And so it was going to be really interesting to see how he was going to perform. And safe to say that he is going to be disgusting. The way he played in the series as the entry sub was fantastic. I mean, you look at the hard points. Um, he was constantly putting up pressure in the face of the, the Florida Mutineers uh, at all the times, um, you know, spawn trapping them, you know, alleviating the pressure on guys like Zinni. You know, they didn't he didn't have to constantly run into the subs of Florida or not nearly as much because Kleenex and, and Bance and Cami on Garrison, uh, they were pushing out those lanes for, you know, the main AR of Zin. And it made life on him so much easier. I mean, he it's just the pressure he's able to apply on the other teams and alleviate for his own team, it, you know, can't be understated. I mean, he had a 1.13 overall KD, a 1.35 in the hard points, both crossroads and garrison, which are, to be fair, you know, more sub-dominant maps. He thrived in, and I think that's going to be the key for the Ultra, um, as I talk about their hard point later, is that having sub-dominant map and having a guy like Kleenex just fits perfectly um, because of what he's able to do, uh, the, the spots he can get himself in and the pressure he can apply on the Mutineers. And uh, he did it, um, you know, he didn't have the greatest uh, SND at a 7 and 8, so it's not horrible. Um, and then the control 30 and 34, again, um, you know, it's going to be hard for an entry sub to always go positive as we talked about with the bz um but again it was the pressure and i'm going to say this again pressure i'm going to sound like a broken uh record but the pressure he was able to apply on the map 
and the pace he was playing at uh, really helped you know, set the ultra up for success in this series, particularly in the hard point, which was a game that they struggled in all of last year. And that's why he, he has to be a part of the team of the week. Yeah, for sure. Like he, he was nasty. I still not on like Garrison hard point. That looked, he looked so good on that map. Um, but yeah, that takes us to our last player. Uh, Hook, Hook with a nuke. He is disgusting at this game. I know they lost to Minnesota and it's like a bit of a blemish for New York. But I mean, who kind of 1.39 overall KD led out all players in 1.39, and uh, you just I can't you can't not put him there, even though, even though they went one and one, he looks really good. And I think it was Nameless or some one of the casters maybe who said like Hook might look like the best player in the game right now. It's very very early to say that, but oh my god did he fry! It wasn't just like the frying like his gun skill either. It was movement. It was the whole thing put together. You know he looked fantastic. This one particular moment on a checkmate. I don't remember if it was a checkmate control or hardpoint. I can't remember right now. But it was a respawn checkmate, and he was, you know, playing steps and getting shot from Yellow Crate. And he picked up, like, two kills, hopped around the staircase, did a little weird movement thing and stayed alive. And he was just like, it looked like two people just couldn't kill him. Like, he just could not kill Hook. And we haven't even referenced AW Hook and how AW Hook was, like, unkillable. And maybe said, like, I know it's been a lot of years, but, right, man, like, you just can't kill this guy. So um, if that kind of Hook is back, you know, that... I mean, Dallas, everyone knows how talented they are with even the shots he's playing out of his mind as well. And, uh, you know, they've got to tighten up their searches. But, I mean, you know, Hook individually looked fantastic. So I don't think, you know, losing a series is going to take away from that. I think you're still really excited if you're an Empire fan because, you know, if if he's looking like your best player and he's still off shots on the team, that's a really good sign. You guys are going to be very good for, like, you know, basically the whole year. And um, it, it's for Hook, it's really... It's really good for him because, you know, when he came back to COD after Halo, it was rough at first. Like, he didn't have the best placements. He didn't do that well individually. And when he started to, like, step it up individually in Black Ops 4, you know, people kept saying he didn't have enough, didn't have enough help. Then he gets traded to Splice, where there's supposed to be help there, and it still doesn't work out. And then, obviously, last year, they win, and it's incredible, yet Shotzi outshines him. So for this year, for him, if he, if he keeps up this kind of performance, I think it'll be for his legacy and him as a player and you know kind of remind us of how good Hook really is i think it maybe also said that before he was you know shotzi is so talented you forget how talented everyone else also was in that team and how good individually each one of those players are so it was great to see Hook frying like that and i uh, hope to see more of it too um but with that that wraps up our team of the week uh so yeah if you guys noticed no man ar on this team of the week which is strange because you know it's supposed to be an ar heavy game yet you know, here we are. Um, but that, that being said, uh, I do think that early days, you know, we might see some some things like this. But I, I do expect ARs just to like, you know, still be very good and have really good stats. It's just, you know, like Hook, Simp, Kleenex, like some of these sub players had a really good weekend, so it was, it was cool to see. Despite the XM4 ripping everyone on off headies and being very, very good gun, subs can still can still thrive. Uh, so with that. We're going to now head into a next segment, which we're going to kind of highlight the teams that impressed us and stood out to us. So the first team you want to highlight, well, we have to do it. You know, there are little home favorites here, but is the Ultra. And I know you asked, you want to talk about the Ultra a little bit. So why don't you, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so uh, I kind of mentioned it uh, a little bit already um, with reference to uh, Kleenex and their hard points, but... Again, um, coming into the season, we talked about how they were going to need to be more consistent in respawn, 
in order to you know beat a lot of these top teams uh, in these series. And lo and behold, their hard point thus far, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't dropped one, you know, including the kickoff classic, although that was a preseason matchup. Uh, they've looked very strong in hard points th- thus far. Um, they've looked uh, very composed. They've looked really good on respawn in particular. Again, the pressure that guys like Kleenex are able to put on the map, um, as I said, really alleviate the the pressure on guys like Zinn. Um, you know, Cami was doing very well at the flex position, um, so you didn't have to really worry about that whatsoever. Bance, although his stats um, in the SND control weren't great, he had a you know, 1.1 on the hard point, so he was holding his own for the most part as well. Um, so in general, like as a team, they looked very strong. I mean, the damage per uh, per game, uh, I mean, Kleenex had 524, Cami 5.16. Um, ben, uh, Bance and Methods didn't have nearly as much, which shows that they didn't need to do as much on the map, which, I mean, it's always a good sign because uh, it shows that Cami and Kleenex are doing their jobs. Um, so again, that's a really big key uh, thing for them. With regards to the S and D, um, I mean, they took it six four in Miami, and again, if their S and D looks strong um, and their hard point looks as good as they are, they're going to win majority of the series that they play. Uh, again, shout out to Zinni. I know we've harped on his S and D in the past, but he dropped eleven kills in this one. Uh, it looks very strong. He won, you know, half of his opening duels, which is really important. Obviously, as I said, these stats these are all from Breaking Point GG, so check those guys out if you already don't know them and again the control uh this was the biggest concern for me going into this specific matchup considering their control against minnesota looked horrendous even though it was pre preseason uh, did not look very good this one was a bit closer it felt like they sort of let uh florida win this one um this was i think if i'm not mistaken was also garrison control and uh, it felt like the ultra you know had opportunities to win this specific map but let it go at the last second um which you know is a bit uh, unfortunate, but again they go back to the crossroads and win it. And this matchup was really important for them, just considering Florida's another top team in the group that many expect to be a part of that top three uh, in the group that play, uh, make it to winners. So them winning this matchup is huge because if they're able to take care of business with regards to you know, Paris and LAG, um, and you know at least hold their own against Optic and Phase, they can expect to place third in their group which will effectively help them make the winner's bracket, which is a pretty good spot to be in the first major. Yeah, for sure. And also, if you if you lose the first game, and then next week you get to play Optic and then Phase, if you start out 0-3, you know, you might already chalk the first stage. You know, So um, definitely important to come out with a win because, you know, Optic and Phase definitely look like they definitely are favored. You know, but coming out one of the first one, if you lose the next two, you're just still like, oh, we're okay. You know, we can rebound and beat the next two teams and still make it third like Yas mentioned. So, yeah, definitely a huge win for them. And um, I wouldn't put it past an upset next weekend. Like, they looked really good in, in Respawn. And, you know, Optic didn't look great in SD, as we know. So there's a, there's a room there for an upset for sure. Uh, but, yeah, definitely did got to tighten up the control. You're right about that. Um, but moving on, we have the Rocker as our next team. So they did lose their first series. And what's interesting about what happened in the first series was that Priesta... Just couldn't keep up. He just—he had a really poor series from him individually. I think he might have done okay in the search, but in respawn he wasn't keeping up with the hundred thieves and wasn't keeping up with like Kenny and TJ. Uh, but he actually stepped up, stepped up a lot against the Empire, which is surprising to me because I would have thought it'd be harder to play as a sub against uh, Shotzi and Hook than it would be against Kenny and TJ. But Priest had a much better series individually, and then also the SNDs looked really clean. And this is something we knew the Rocker was going to be good at before the season started. 
you know, like preseason, even when we were teasing apart the Ultra and Rocker, you know, pre-show matchup, kickoff matchup, we said, we said like the Rocker are really good at S&D. We expect them to beat the Ultra in that game mode. And, you know, we, we think like Major Maniac is a very good S&D player. You know, Tash never loses his ones. You know, Lamar's had like, you know, a million clutches in World War II. Last time it was a 4v4 game. We had a really strong feeling about these guys at S&D. And they did not disappoint. Obviously, they haven't dropped the S&D map yet. And they beat the defending world champs twice in S&D. And looked really, really strong doing it. And um, it's it's interesting because they, like, we always, we're going to always say for this team that they have to get better respawns. Like, that's going to be the catch-all thing the whole year. Because I don't expect their S&D to, go, to, to decline at all. It's probably going to be fine the whole year. But it's not a terrible respawn team on paper. The question that I had and other people had was like, are they fast enough? You know, is their sub pressure going to be enough when you play the likes of the Empire, for example? And so far, it doesn't really seem that it's quite fast enough because they did lose both hard points. But it, it, it can get there. Like I think it's attached in Priesta as their subs. That's not like a bad thing. Like they definitely can keep up, and they can improve in hard point. And I do think that the Rocker are a scary team, especially well, especially because they could beat you in S and D. It's already two game modes out of the way. Uh, so yeah, very good showing from them. Because even like the the Hunter Thief series, like they got stomped in the response. But like, I don't know. I have a good feeling about them. I have a feeling like you know they're they're uh, they can step it up and then hard points and get better response. I feel like I, feel, I don't know if maybe you might disagree with me this uh, with me yes, but I feel like it might be easier for teams like the Rocker to improve in hard point than it would be a team that's like terrible at S like Paris for example to improve in S and D. Because I feel like S and D is more like instinct based and like I, know, I do. Agree. I don't know. Go ahead. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think there is something to say that um, getting better at a hard point because um, you grinded so much, um, you can learn people's setups over time. Um, definitely can you know improve over time. I, I think that's that's definitely a good point. I mean, you look at even the ultra going back to last year, who was a strong SD team that over time you know showed uh, improvements in hard point, and that's what helped them later on in the season. Whereas that's a good point. Showing improvements in SD. Um, it can be difficult because you, you, I mean, you have the initial setups and everything in your pushes and your strats, but when it comes down to it in the middle of the round where you have to make those mid in-game adjustments or, you know, there's certain situations where you play off instinct. I mean, that really comes down to the player. And uh, like you mentioned, a team like like Minnesota rather with guys like Attach and Priest and Lamar and even Major who are all incredibly talented SD players, as you as you've witnessed, they're capable of winning those situations based off their incredible instincts and uh, I don't think you can just teach those in a day. So for all those other teams, they're going to struggle with. So I agree with the sentiment for sure. Yeah, and like also one more thing on major. I just like it always reminds me of when I used to watch Tiger X's stream, and like last year when they're streaming Black Ops Four in the off season, um, uh, they're playing like three v threes. No, it was, it was during World War Two, um, or not World War Two, Modern Warfare. Um, but they're playing three v threes, and it was like it was uh, like you know Major Maniac, Teddy, and then I forget the third, but the way that like Major Maniac would just have, like read what, he, what other teams were doing in three v three was incredible, like just the smartest reads and like <laughs> he had Teddy Rex gassing you up the whole map as he always does, you know the, uh, the ultimate gas man. But watching him like just completely decompose a team like over the course of a like, you know ten or eight rounds or whatever it is, like it's it's really impressive to watch. So you know definitely look out for them to be a consistent dominant force in S and D. Uh, but moving on from the rocker, I know Yas has some stuff to talk about with the New York 
subliners. So New York, um, they played one match this weekend. Uh, if I'm, am I mistaken with that, or am I completely faded? Uh, they lost to some. They lost to the. They lost to hundred thieves. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was their one match. Okay, I was. Yeah. I wasn't sure if they played another match besides that. But yeah, so they played one match with their new lineup. Obviously, going back to the preseason matchup against Dallas, they got three out pretty handedly, and that was you know shortly after Zuma's announcement. So we couldn't really expect much from them. Um, now with the regular season matchup that has stakes in the line. Uh, we got to see them play, and although they got three would uh, if you anyone watched the series, you could instantly tell that this wasn't exactly like a this wasn't like a beat down three o. This wasn't a quick three o. This was a hard fought win three o. That New York honestly in every single one of the maps could have and should have won. Uh, you know, looking back at the hard point, I mean, they had, uh, uh, you know. They have multiple great pushes and holds on certain hills. Um, if you actually um, want to check it out, I hold shift uh, on his Twitch stream. He has a series called The Playbook where he breaks down series. Um, and one of the series he broke down was 100 Thieves in New York. And he, he took a look at the hard point and the pushes they were making and how uh, ingenious some of their, their holds were and some of their pushes were. Like, for example, the P4 on street, instead of wrapping to mid from P2, they would wrap all the way around the spawn. And as a result, we're able to break it. Uh, but there are certain key moments in those games where you can see the inexperience by these players. You can see uh, Clay having to, like in comms, having to tell Mac, hey, go back up top, like uh, make sure we don't flip spawns or, you know, certain breakdowns where on P3 uh, of Moscow, um, you had Kenny and Slasher having this little crossfire watching outside mid slash gold. And New York, they don't play it correctly. And all three players pushing through mid end up getting picked. And their push is done for, and they end up losing on the next hill. So it's like moments like that where you know a veteran team, a team with leadership, or not necessarily leadership, but a veteran team that you know understands you know um, the situation, maybe would you know be able to effectively trade. Whereas New York in that situation, you know they have a lot of unexperienced players and players that aren't used to the role that they're in. Um, you know they don't win, and Clay can only do so much. So there was that in the hard point. I mean, looking. Uh, looking back at the SD, I mean, they, they played really well in the SD as well. Uh, again, looking at the stats uh, from the SD, uh, you know, Clay had a 1.22, Diamond Kong had a, like, a close 1v2. I mean, there's just certain rounds where. Uh, that clutch was so nice. Yeah, the clutch was really nice. I mean, Kenny had a 1v3. If Kenny doesn't get the yep. 1v3, they end up winning it. I mean, it was around 11, right? So, yep. again, key moments. And then the control. Again, it was a lot of strong team play out of both teams, but ended up winning it for the Thieves uh, on the last round. And, you know, looking back, um, even at the stats from the control, uh, ASIM was doing very well, Khan was doing very well, Clayster was doing very well. And the player that people are going to call out on, and rightfully so, is, is Mac. Mac did not have a great series. He had a .63. He had a .77 in the hard point, with 5 and 10 in the S&D, and a .57 in the control. He just did not hold up to the sub pressure of Kenny and TJ or temp and TJ rather. Sorry. And that is what ended up really hurting them in key moments. And it's going to be a bigger conversation. Um, if Mac's going to, if this is the new norm for Mac, cause we all know Hydra's coming over from North America. It's going to happen eventually. Uh, we're not sure as of when, but when it does happen, the question of who's going to be dropped is going to get a bit more interesting because everyone assumed it be Asim, but with the way he's been playing, Maybe it's going to be Mac. And I think this is something that's going to be a conversation later down. But for New York fans, I know people will say, oh, New York didn't play that great. I mean, 
they could have won every map. I think give them more time and they'll improve. It's it's still early days, so I wouldn't be too concerned. Yeah, and also for for New York next weekend, you have some good options. You got opportunities to win some series. Yeah, you got London as your first matchup, and London just lost to Seattle, so that's you know not great. So I think New York, you know, you're looking forward to that matchup, and then after that, you play Minnesota, who obviously did look great, but there's definitely room for upsets in those in those hard points and. If you can steal S and D, it's weird saying that. It's weird saying if you can steal S and D, but if New York can steal S and D against Minnesota, you can definitely go two and zero next weekend. It wouldn't be that big of a surprise at all. Uh, but you're right. You know, Matt didn't play well enough, and like, you talked about Hydra coming back over, and uh, I'm ready for it. And you can tell like, it's kind of what the team needs. They kind of need like a, just like a really good Slayer who can just consistently drop bombs on people, and that's what Hydra can do. So definitely excited to see that you know coming in the future. Uh, but that takes us to our last team that we want to talk about, uh, which is the Florida Mutineers. So, again, only played one series, lost to Toronto. So there's not like a ton to dissect there. But I just wanted to say a couple things about them, mostly stemming around Awakening and Slacked. And it's just like, a, for, for Awakening for me, obviously last year, unbelievable talent. And his centering was incredible. His, you know, his pre-firing IQ kind of thing is incredible. He just kind of always knew the reads and, knew where people were going to be on the map and had a fantastic, fantastic year. And um, it's a bit of a weird team, though. I think even without watching against Toronto, if you just look at the roster, it's a little bit weird. I talked about it last week. I said, like, I kind of want to see Slack step up in a leadership role and, and like, you know, leading comms and stuff like that and, and kind of lead this, this young team. Because outside of Slack, that is very young. This guy's made his rise up recently. Awakening was last year at Neptune. This is his first year competing. It's good to take them a bit of time. I do think they're very talented, and I do expect them to be at, like you know competing at the top level, and you know potentially winning some majors and whatnot. But I do think it'll take some time, so I wouldn't get too concerned if I was a Florida fan or in like Florida management too soon, because like I think they got very, very I don't want to say like lucky because it wasn't, but the pickups they made last year. And how fast they turned things around happened really quickly. And I don't think you can kind of rely on it happening again. You know, because you had like Pharaoh come in, you had Awakening come in, obviously for Pharaoh, and um, they instantly turned that team around and made them like a contender. Like quickly, and they started winning like three in a row, right? Like that kind of success after making a change is not that common to happen. So like, I don't think picking up Neptune, I don't think you really ex- should expect that kind of success straight away. But again, like it's a very talented team. It's going to take some time, but I do think they'll figure things out and be like, you know, top team in the game. And looking ahead into next week, they play the Gorillas and they play Paris. So it's an, for me, it's an expected 2-0. They should win both of those games, uh, both of those series, sorry. And for me, I'm really looking towards Slack to be the leader. And then also Skies to hit the for me hit last year. You know, yeah, I kind of put... He did not have a good series, guys. He did not have a good series, yeah. And I, I kind of put like... Neptune and Awakening in a boat of like extreme talent, so they're fine. You know, like I don't really, I'm not too concerned about them. But for Skies, like I, he was the top AR last year. Like he has to hit that top form again. And I, you can excuse like you Neptune and Awakening for being young or whatever, but like Skies has to play that well. And in an AR matchup against Assault, it's not going to be easy, but I want to see him do it. And then against Paris, I, you know, Yuli didn't have the you know, best weekend either. So I think, you know, Skies should be able to win that matchup too. So uh, I think Florida is definitely a team to watch out for next weekend because I don't think this Toronto showing is, you know, is their full potential. And I, no. I do think they can definitely improve. I, I think um, the, with yeah. regards to the map vetoes also, I think we should take into consideration that two maps they played were 
crossroads and garrison two smg yeah. dominated maps so why would they why would they do that you okay all right, it's yeah. a bit concerning if that was i mean garrison to be fair if i'm not mistaken was the map they played phase very well on um well then, the garrison uh, they played against toronto they just couldn't like stack just couldn't keep up with and neptune as well they couldn't keep up with KME and kleenex it's not really like yeah. you know it's not really this guy's fault if your sub pressure is just not non-existent yeah you true. Know? but you're right you're right though you know definitely have to figure out map videos. i think that's one thing that's we're gonna have to wait on you know yeah, we, like we'll, we'll need to we'll need to see a bit more of a sample size before we can start to look yeah. at each team's uh, and Matt Vito's not to mention we expect Express to be in the rotation sooner rather than later, so Ooh. that'll change everything as well, right? So, oh, that'll that'll mess up a lot of S and D as well. <laughs> yeah, and plus, yeah. It, are we going to get snipers and and smokes back? Who knows? So that changes a lot of things. But um, unless you have anything else to mention, should we move on to the AM scene? Yeah. So yeah, we can wrap up with the AM scene here and uh, just kind of give our thoughts on the recent Cup performances. Obviously, in North America, we saw. New York Southwinders win. Unfortunately, I didn't get to catch much of the action because we were watching CDL action. So yep. it's hard, you know, keep keep count of everything. And but whatever. But New York wins, and it's just setting up the matchup against Wester. Like that's all I really want to say about NA. Just like I'm just excited to see that matchup. It's gonna be fun. Wester lost to Anthrax and Co. But you know, as much as credit I want to give them, and they are playing well. And that's the second time in a row that they played well, like second week in a row. So you know, good on them. At the same time, though, I feel like Wester. Definitely take more care and, and practice in the, in the elite series. So maybe they put their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. But either way, you know, them versus New York is a matchup we all want to see. Uh, but yeah, so what about the other regions? Yeah, so with regards to EU, um, the Rams won back to back, similar to New York in their case. And um, again, I think Rams are starting to solidify themselves as, you know, putting their bid for the top team in the EU. I know we sort of mentioned how in the EU, it's sort of hard to. Uh, make sense uh, or pick a top team considering how it looks like in most cases most teams can beat anyone uh, on a given day but the Rams have shown some consistency as of late and I really think that all stemmed from their switch to have Lucky as a flex um, and move medals to that sub role I think that has really helped them and we mentioned that in the past and um, although people will talk about Invidian and even though he's never going to drop stats they clearly play fundamentally very strong and well in both Hardpoint and S&D. They've always been a very strong S&D team, so it's working out for them. Um, and another thing to mention, Orgulus plays second. They look to be you know, very strong with their new lineup with Harry, which is something interesting. I'm going to look forward to watching them more because I'm really curious to see how they progress. I didn't get to watch a lot of them in the first week, so they're going to be a team to keep an eye on. House Tarth finished third. You know, nothing much to see there. Obviously, a top team. They drop map five to the Rams and then lose to Orglis uh, later on. So, tough go for them. Obtained. Uh, a little interesting note about them is that it looks like they've switched uh, in terms of game modes. And what I mean by that is Obtained was known as the top respawn or hardpoint team. And, you know, their S&D lacked. It looks like that is flipped now with Chain on the team. Their hardpoint's been lacking. Their S&Ds have picked up, though. Uh, they did lose map five, but... That is something interesting to note that the hard point is the one that needs to be fixed, but a team like that, I expect it to. Singularity again, top six. I mean, it's sort of a running theme with them. They're really going to need to pick it up if they want to contend for that top six or top two for even the buy for uh, the Elite Series. So that'll be interesting to note. But uh, one thing I want to talk about is we're going to talk about the APAC scene for once. And although we had a familiar base win, which is the Renegades, 
Uh, I took a little bit of a look at their matches and even stats from the previous Cup 4 and 5 because I was curious to talk about a player in particular, which I've been talking with this manager a little bit. Uh, both of us have been in it. Uh, we talk about, want to talk about Pred. Uh, obviously, some people may know him um, from the amateur scene as this really aggressive sub player that played in APAC last season. Um, you know, breaking point ahead of him, I think, within their top five in terms of amateur players. There were rumors that we heard about, you know, CDL teams looking at him, but He's over here in APAC, and I want to look at how exactly he's performing. And holy crap, is he good. Not only in terms of KD, I mean, his stats, he had a 1.1. The rest of his team was negative. Not a single person on his team for the past two cups had a positive KD in comp, in, like in those two cups combined. You know, Luke at a 0.98, Bite at 0.92, Shocks 0.92, Pred 1.1. In terms of engagements, he has over almost a hundred more engagements than the second most on his team in two cups. He's averaging over 20 more engagements per series than his teammates. That just shows you how much pressure he's putting on the map, how aggressive he's being. And of that 20 engagements, he's winning like 15 of them. So he he's extremely successful um, entry. Uh, uh, we've talked about him being sort of similar to a BZ in that way. And, um, although, you know, Renegades, for some whatever reason, they don't seem to play the game very well, but because they're so talented, they win anyways. They keep going on to losers and winning two best of fives. I swear they've done it like two or three times now, which has <laughs> got to be disheartening for the APAC region, but um, Renegades just keep on winning. I just wanted to highlight Pred and his incredible prowess. But yeah, with regards to the Elite Series, obviously um, this week's going to be very telling uh, as we start to wrap up and close towards the Major, uh, which teams are going to make it and which teams don't. Uh, you know, um, it, it'll be very interesting. Again, I think we get Western versus Subliners, so that's going to be a yep. great matchup. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if EU stays the way it is. Is Orgo's going to stay on top, or the Gangsters going to move up? Um, how that how is that going to shake down? So, a lot of Call of Duty to uh, to watch over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Like like I said to start the podcast, it's a very exciting time to be caught fan, even if you're yep. just a fan of the CDL or a fan of the Challenger scene. Whatever kind of card you watch, it's out there, and there's tons of content surrounding it. It's you yep. know, it's awesome. We love it, and um, you know, for all the the headaches that online and host you know wars and everything gives us, it, we we still we're still getting good content. We're still getting you know good yeah. gameplay. So you know, it's awesome. It's gonna be a fun year, and um, yeah, I think to just to wrap up the episode, you know, we're gonna try to probably do a preview one for next week, or if we don't have time, we'll just do a reaction one as well. Um, yeah. But it's moving. It's, it's, it's gonna move very fast now, like the rest of this year, right? So you're gonna have like elite series after elite series, weekend after weekend. It's gonna be fast and fast moving. So we're gonna try to pump out as much as much as we can do on our part. And um, if you have any kind of specific player or team or anybody you want to take, us to take a look at and kind of you know dive in f- further on, let us know. If there's yeah, a player you want you. us to look at, let us know. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you made it this round of the podcast, like let us know if someone you want to look out for. No, Pred was a guy that I really wanted to look at in particular, um, just considering that we don't get to watch a lot of him in the APAC region. But if there's another player, whether it be APAC, EU, NA, that you think we should keep our eyes on or uh, should highlight, let us know for sure, because we'd love to do that. Yep, and so that with that, that's going to end the podcast. Uh, we'll put all the stuff in the description below for you know Breaking Point, Cogginpedia, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, also, check out our Twitter. We have all the clips and, and fun stuff happening over there. So with that, uh, Thank you guys for watching and see you next time. See you.